0: It's good to be with you. Good morning. Several years ago, uh, back when I had uh, things like free time and uh, joint mobility, because I hadn't yet had kids, I played in a a modified fast pitch softball league in Philadelphia. Modified fast pitch is as fast as you can get without the full windmill. Uh, A friend of mine came in to stay with us from out of town, and I had some softball games that weekend, and I hear from my team that we're short some players, do I know anybody? I asked my friend who's staying with us, he's like, yeah, I'd love to play. And so we take him to a thrift store and he buys uh, some sweatpants and used cleats, which is, it's a bold decision to be willing to buy used cleats. And we show up to the game in just enough time to kind of like basically share names and they send him out to left field. Now, my friend Andy is, is an encourager. He's just an encourager. He couldn't not encourage if he wanted to. There's your double negative for the day. Couldn't not encourage if he wanted to. It's just who he is. But he doesn't really know anybody and he, he doesn't really remember anybody's names So how is he going to kind of be himself? It's just going to flow out of him. But so from left field, early on in the game, you start to hear things like, here we go, no hat, no hat. Here we go, here we go, no hat. Great pitch, no hat. Or maybe if somebody made a nice play, like, all right, tall socks. Here we go, tall socks. (laughs) He didn't know their names. so He's just picking some identifying feature about them and, and shouting stuff out. It's just who he is. But what's so fun is encouragement can be so meaningful. It really, we love being around it, that my whole team was like, hey, anytime he's in town, you invite him to play with us, okay? They love to having him around. We know encouragement when we experience it and we like being around it. And we're gonna dig into that idea, as Charles mentioned, as we continue the series Connect. Charles started off last week with I am the vine in John 15, talking about what it looks like to be connected with God, Or this great metaphor Jesus uses about the vine and the branches. And now we're going to talk about a one another statement, these statements the Bible makes about how we're supposed to interact and connect with one another. Now, it's hard to pinpoint one great passage on encouragement. And I think the reason for that is encouragement is a vital part of relationship and connection with others, and it's not in one particular spot because it's, it's woven throughout the fabric of the Bible. It's, it's a key part of a lot of different places. So we're gonna look at that idea of encouragement. Now, connection matters as it pertains to encouragement because when we're secure in our connection with God through Jesus, when we're secure in our connection with God through Jesus, when that connection helps us understand that we are known and loved, then we can connect with others in a deeper and more substantive way because we no longer need them to meet our deepest needs. Our deepest needs have already been met by Jesus. Connection with others breeds encouragement, and encouragement fosters connection. It's this symbiotic relationship. As we connect with God and He impacts our lives, we're sent to connect and impact the lives of others. And there's a lot of different ways to do that, but we're gonna look specifically at encouragement this morning. Now, what's encouragement mean? It's one of those words that we use all the time, we kind of know its place in a sentence. Well, what's it mean? Well, it's an action word, right? It's something that needs to be done. Encouragement doesn't just kind of happen magically. It means giving support. means giving confidence. means giving hope. The Bible talks about encouragement as calling to your side to strengthen and support someone. You can think about it like lending someone courage that they don't have right now. That's encouragement. Lending someone courage. Or I heard this my whole life growing up. It's probably like the third most repeated thing I heard my dad say growing up. Catch people doing right things. That's encouragement. Catch people doing right things. It's being, bringing life to someone else, being a life giver. Encouragement is the rest stop on your 10-hour drive, right? It's a chance to stop and get refueled and get, kind of get some snacks to, as you go back on your journey. It's the study break while you cram for finals. It's the intermission during the super boring four-hour play that that one friend of yours made you go to. So what does it do for us? Why is it significant? We're gonna look at three ways that encouragement is significant and three ways that encouragement plays a vital role in our life life and our connection with other people. And the first is that encouragement builds up. Encouragement builds up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 talks about it this way. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. Now, what's interesting about that is the context of of 1 Thessalonians, the context of this verse is Paul's writing to a group of people that are anxious, that are dealing with persecution, that are thinking about Jesus coming and, and are concerned about the when and what that means for their lives. And Paul tells them to be encouraged. And encourage one another and build each other up because that that moment that we look forward to that that jesus coming doesn't have to be a fearful thing it's a it's a great thing be encouraged by this the implication of this verse is that we need mutual support that we need to be connected to others who can encourage us so why do we need encouragement why do we need encouragement that's a fair question Well, I think I have a simple answer for you. We need encouragement because life is hard. (laughs) Life is hard. We're going to need encouragement. As Charles talked about last week, pruning can be painful. That Even for followers of Jesus, it can be painful when God cuts the the dead branches out of our lives or, or even the good branches to make space for better things. That can be painful. We need encouragement. Because I think we all understand at some level that our lives are harder than we want them to be. That we aren't fully in control. That we can't satisfy the longing in our soul on our own. We also need encouragement because we're quick to internalize negative things about ourselves. And those negative things can have a lasting impact. And man, I know that's true for myself. I just realized over the last couple of years that that I'm so quick to believe just the absolute worst about myself. And that just sits on my soul and Poisons me if I let it. One study I read described the impact of negativity this way. It said, Bad impressions and bad stereotypes are quicker to form and are more resistant to disconfirmation than good ones. Many good events can overcome the psychological effects of a single bad one. When equal measures of good and bad are present, however, the psychological effects of bad ones outweigh those of the good ones. If you're wondering what that means, I'll sum it up for you. It says, basically, when positive and negative things are present in our lives at the same level, the bad is stronger. Encouragement from others can help hold back that darkness. I don't think we're particularly great at encouragement. Why don't we encourage other people? I think we could be quick to criticize when someone does a bad job. We could be quick to criticize when someone does a bad job, but when someone does a good job, Our attitude can be, well, they should have. They were supposed to do that. We don't encourage. It's like, well, that's your job. Like, of course, you brought me my food. Congratulations. That's what I just paid you for. The end of transaction. Sometimes we don't encourage because we feel like someone just doesn't deserve it. So we withhold to get even or to make a point or, frankly, just to stick it to someone. Sometimes we don't encourage because anger or hurt or jealousy keep us from doing that. Sometimes we don't encourage because we disagree with someone. And our attitude can be, well, I'm not going to encourage them because we don't agree about absolutely everything. Another reason we don't encourage is that we ourselves have not been encouraged. We haven't experienced encouragement, and so we don't really know what it looks like. But often it's just simply general, everyday self-absorption that keeps us from seeing the good in others and celebrating it. Most people don't encourage very well, and that's why it stands out when we're around someone who does. That's why we notice it. Culturally, we're quick to tear down and we're slow to build up, but encouragement is how we build others up. It's how we speak life to others. It's how we celebrate the good things in their lives. It's how we come alongside them and support them and rejoice in the good things. It's how we believe the best of others. It's catching people doing right things instead of catching people doing wrong things. And encouragement is a good thing for us because what gets celebrated is what gets repeated, right? What gets celebrated is what gets repeated. Encouragement's not a one and done thing either. It's not like a, well, I just find my moment, I encourage somebody and I can check that box on my be a Christian to-do list and now next month I'll get back around to it again. It's an ongoing thing. Hebrews 3.13 talks about it this way. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily, regularly. Like, let's do this thing. Now, encouragement's a spiritual gift, and so there are certain people that have been uniquely gifted by God to encourage in a unique way, but we're all called to some level of encouragement. We're all called to some level of encouragement it has a significant impact when we're willing to do it. A study in the Harvard Business Review evaluated the relationship between positive and negative feedback. I found this interesting. The average ratio for the highest performing teams that this study looked at was 5.6. That means there was nearly six positive comments for every negative one. But the average for the low performing teams was 0.36 to one. That was almost three negative comments for every positive comment. So what you see is encouragement has a real impact on morale, on team dynamics, on how people feel about themselves and and their production. Encouragement makes a difference. We need regular encouragement to help balance out the negativity we already often feel about ourselves. We need to look to encourage daily, regularly. It's something that should characterize the life of a follower of Jesus to build others up around us. Encouragement builds up. The second thing that encouragement does is encouragement deepens relationships. Encouragement deepens relationships. 1 Thessalonians chapter five talks about like this. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Encouragement builds relationships. Encouragement builds community. I mean, it's really hard to encourage someone we have absolutely no connection with at all. We need some level of connection, even like the tiniest little sliver of connection, in order to be encouraging. Think about the example with with my friend, with Andy. He didn't know those guys well, he didn't know most of their names but he had enough of of a connection with them for his words to be taken as encouragement. Like they knew he wasn't making fun of them because there was enough of a connection. They were on the same team and that that tiny sliver of connection helped them to hear that as encouragement. Because imagine if he went to like a little league baseball game and just stood in the parking lot and yelled those things at kids. That's a misdemeanor, I think. (laughs) That tiny sliver of connection with them helped his words land. We need to be encouraged, and we need to encourage others, and community, being connected with others, provides the opportunity for those things. And encouragement doesn't just have to be attaboys and great jobs. It's richer and more nuanced than that. Because what I find interesting about these verses in First Thessalonians is, is that not everything in those verses is overtly positive, but that doesn't mean it's not encouraging. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Help the weak, be patient with everyone. Like, it's not all overtly positive. It means there are people who are idle and disruptive. How do you encourage one? It's like, great job on being disruptive. And that's not what he means. Ever have a hard conversation with someone that you found to be encouraging because you knew that person cared for you, believed in you, was for you? When I was but a young pastor, when I still had that new pastor smell on me, I would debrief my sermons with the, with the guy that I worked for. And this guy is definitely smarter than I am, which is always humbling. And he'd push and poke and prod at my theology and my structure and my illustrations to help me grow and make me better. And while I wish he hadn't been able to find so many areas where I could improve, I found that time incredibly encouraging because he was showing me how much he believed in me and how much he was committed to me. Encouragement is not always hearing what we want to hear. It's hearing what's true from someone who cares. Sometimes that's what we need because we can't see truth for what it is. We've lost sight of the forest for the trees because life takes over, how we feel takes over, our view gets obscured. We need to hear what's true from someone who cares. Encouragement needs to be true and specific and communicated with care, not just a broad, like, hey, thumbs up, but more specific than that. Communicated with care, because when those things happen, it builds connection and it deepens relationships. Third thing that encouragement does is that encouragement gives hope. Encouragement gives hope. Romans 15, 4-6 talks about it like this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement, may the God, may God who gives encouragement, give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 gives some kind of similar language. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day when Jesus comes, the day when all things are made new, that day is an incredibly hopeful day. What this verse is saying is, look, the God of encouragement points us forward to the greatest source of encouragement, the greatest source of encouragement we could experience. And this kind of encouragement gives us a new story to listen to, gives us a new story to listen to, other than the often negative one we tell ourselves. And ultimately, encouragement points us to Jesus, the ultimate source of encouragement, the greatest source of forever hope. Nothing can possibly encourage us more than the news that we are uniquely created by the God of the universe, that he knows us, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he wants us to know him that he rescued us from the brokenness in our lives and calls us to a life that is deeper and richer and more satisfying than anything we can possibly imagine. That's the greatest encouragement there is, that no matter how your life is right now, if you're struggling or if your life is great, that God calls you to a life that is incalculably greater than what you can imagine. That's some serious hope. It's as if God is saying, picture the best scenario you can possibly think of. Multiply that by a bajillion, and it's still better than that. The gospel encourages us. The good news about Jesus, God's redemptive movement to to people, encourages us by showing us that this is not all there is, that we are known and valued and cared for beyond our wildest dreams. there is a perfect future for us that is infinitely greater than what we could hope for. That no matter what we are going through, it's temporary. That through Christ, we cannot just endure, but thrive. We talked earlier that sometimes we don't encourage others because we may feel like they don't deserve it. And the reality is that we don't really deserve encouragement. Certainly, we don't really deserve encouragement from God. And yet... God moves towards us in love and grace and mercy through his perfect son, Jesus. And because of that, the unmerited love and grace God has shown us, it enables us and empowers us to, to move towards others whether they deserve it or not. That God encourages us regardless of our undeserving status. And that allows us to move towards others the same way. It's encouragement. one of the major benefits of pursuing Jesus with other people. And the irony is, and Charles mentioned this earlier and talked about serving, is that when we encourage others, we often find that we leave encouraged as well. The process of filling someone, else, someone else's tank fills ours too. The process of pointing someone to Jesus directs us there as well to the greatest source of hope. Two years ago, my wife told me she wanted to run a marathon. She found a local marathon she could enter, and she you know, started her training. And if you're not familiar, the, the legend of how Marathon started goes back to an ancient Greek story of, from 490 BC of a messenger who ran from the this, this site of Marathon to Athens with this uh, significant news about this Greek victory over the Persians who were trying to invade. And the story says that he ran this 25-plus miles and, and collapsed on the shared his news, collapsed on the ground, and died. For me, I don't understand marathon running because one, that's really far. That's why I have a car. But also, I'm a little wary of participating in an event where the first guy who did it died! But she wanted to run a marathon. So it's like, okay, so the day of the race comes and she's ready to run her 26.2 miles. I didn't even run 26 miles last month and she's gonna run 26 miles in the span of a couple hours. And it's, it's never a good sign for your personal level of fitness when you're exhausted cheering on your wife while she runs a marathon? So she ran, and it was, it was hard. It was crazy hard. She said it was one of the hardest things she's ever done. The day was unseasonably hot. And she told me right around mile 18, she started questioning why in the world she signed up for this. But she, she did it. She completed this marathon, and she didn't do it alone. That's what helped her through it. She didn't do it alone. She had a friend who started the race with her and they ran together the first half of the race. She had another friend who jumped in at the halfway point and ran most of the last half with her. She had a third friend who rode her, her, on her bike alongside Bethany for the last mile so she wasn't alone. She had more friends who set up a station around mile 20, the loneliest portion of the course. It was complete with dozens of signs set like hundreds of feet apart encouraging her. That's the picture on, uh, on the right she said those things filled her tank and got her through it. Filled her tank and got her through it. And what I found fascinating as I was thinking about this week is why? Why would that make such a difference for her? I mean, I think we can see that those things would be encouraging, right? But why would it really matter? Why would it make a difference? We didn't really do anything for her. We didn't shorten the race. We didn't run for her. We didn't lower the temperature or take away her pain. Why would it matter? And when I asked her that, she said it mattered because she knew she wasn't alone in this thing. She knew she wasn't alone, that her friends and family were with her, that it meant to her that they believed in her, they were there for her, they were proud of her, it breathed life into her. She said her friends and her family were Samwise Gamgee to her Frodo Baggins. This was her word, she couldn't do it for her, but they could help her do it. And in case you're wondering, the fact that my wife made a Lord of the Rings reference completely on her own is just one of the reasons why I love her so much. When she couldn't rely on her body or her mind, she could lean on others. She said when she felt like she couldn't keep going, her friend running with her told her she could. Her friend reminded her of all that she had done to get to this point. Her friend's voice of hope and belief drowned out her own voice of pain and doubt. It gave her something to hold on to. Bethany's internal motivation was waning, so through the encouragement of her friends, she was able to lean on them for external encouragement and external motivation. That's why encouragement matters. That's why it's so significant. We are physical beings, but we are also spiritual beings. And encouragement nourishes our souls. And it's really a great picture of how God encourages us, stepping into our story, speaking life to us, allowing us to lean on him for motivation when we feel ours ebbing away. So what are some ways we can encourage? What are some ways we can do that this week? I want to give you three simple things to think about when you look at your week about how you can encourage. Three simple things. The first is encourage with your words. Encourage with your words. There are many times where we will leave something unspoken, right? It's like they did a great job, and I'm sure they'll know that. Don't leave it unspoken. Say it. I Googled, uh, how can I encourage someone? And I found a list that had some things like, hang in there, don't give up, believe. And just so we're on the same page, saying those things, things to somebody, that's not encouragement. That's a cat poster. Yeah, that's a cat poster. Don't do that. Don't, don't give someone a cat poster. Encourage specifically and regularly. Think about how someone has Done something well that's worth celebrating. Think about how someone has overcome something or how someone has made an impact in your life, right? Catch people doing right things and then tell them they did it well. Write a thank you note to someone this week. Celebrate a friend's personal victory. Tell the young mom with three small kids that you see at Target that she's doing a great job. Brag about the service you received to the associate and to their supervisor because you know what the supervisor hears most is when people are unhappy. Thank someone for how they have impacted your life. Thank someone specifically. Encourage someone. You know how life-giving it is to someone to hear, man, you made a difference in my life. Don't leave those things unspoken. Encourage with your words because God encourages us through his words. The Bible encourages us, and not with some simple moralistic stories that just tell us life can be better, but by showing us that the God who cared for, who loved and protected the people in the Bible is the same God who loves, cares for, and protects us. God encourages us with his words. This week, encourage others with yours. Second thing is encourage with your presence. Encourage with your words, written either written. Spoken words, but encouraged with your presence. Sometimes we don't have the words to say. Sometimes all we can do is be present in someone's life. So be present. Because someone stepping into your pain or your life in some way can be incredibly encouraging to others. I think of a time when Bethany and I were going through just a hard season of life and we'd just gotten bad news and the two couples that we were incredibly close with just showed up at our house that night with dinner just to sit with us. There wasn't anything they could have said that would have made it better, but they just said, we are just gonna be here with you. And we found it so encouraging that people would love us enough just to be with us. Who in your life is hurting? Who in your life could use someone to come alongside them and just put their arm around them and just say, I'm here with you? Because God encourages us with his presence. God has moved towards us to draw, Him, draw us to himself. That God doesn't tell us, hey, Get your life together and then come find me. God has sought us in the middle of our confusion and rebellion from him. And that it, God encourages us with his presence that he loves us that much. Encourage with your presence. The last is encourage with your life. Encourage with your life. Commiserating with someone can be encouraging, right? For them to realize that they're not alone, that they're not the only person going through something, right? But it's even more than that. Sharing your life and how God has worked in it can be incredibly encouraging for people. I have breakfast with a friend of mine who's like an older brother slash mentor. And I just said to him one time, hey, I'd love to love Jesus more like you. Can we just spend time together? And I see this guy and he's such a good dad and such a good husband. And just like, man, I wanna be more like this guy. And he's so quick to say, I'm a dumpster fire. God has worked in my life. Here's how God has changed me. And that's so encouraging to me because I'm able to look at him and go, just as God worked in your life, man, God can do that for me too. He can do that for me too. Jesus encourages us with his life. The greatest encouragement is Jesus's death and resurrection. Jesus's action to use his life to give us new life. So just as Jesus encourages with his life, so you encourage with your life. Folks, we're at a unique point in history. As the world is beginning to reopen, as the church is regathering, what if the church, what if followers of Jesus committed to pursuing an agenda of radical encouragement? What if Christians became known for seeing the good in others, for catching people doing right things, for believing the best, for celebrating wins? If we did that, how much more would people be willing to listen to the hope of Jesus? If people saw us live differently, how much more would they be willing to listen to when we say, let me tell you about the greatest hope there is? Why don't you bow your heads with me as we close? Who can you come alongside this week and encourage? Who can you come alongside this week and encourage? Take a moment as we wrap up the service. How can you encourage your spouse, your children, your friend, your coworker, what can you do to encourage them this week? What can you do to speak life into them the way that God has spoken life into us through Jesus? Father God, we thank you that you love us that much. Father, we thank you that you encourage us that no matter what we are experiencing in the moment, whether good or bad, that you point us towards a perfect future where we can hope for something incalculably greater than all we could ask or imagine. Father, help us to see the good in others, to believe the best. Help us to love others the way that you first loved us. Father, would we look to speak life into those around us and by doing so, connect in deeper ways that people might see you more clearly. We pray this in your son's precious name, amen.